This is Paul Nobles from eatperform.com and I am sitting here with Kulia Lemus, who is one of the legendary Eat Perform members and everyone in the private group knows who she is and we're starting a series that where we will highlight members and the series will be called My Dieting Life and you know, just so people know, we're not just going to be ragging on dieting the whole time because there are a lot of things that, uh, you know, people have picked up along the way that have been helpful. And I don't want to necessarily um, discount those things because those things are super positive. But of course, you know, what we see is the nuclear ramifications. I feel like sometimes we're like the nuclear cleanup crew um, from all the devastation that dieting sometimes. And sometimes it's not just the diet, right? It's 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 kind of people's interpretation of the diet. So, um, so Kulia, um, and I'm probably say, butchering your name there. Um, <laughs> but um, so let's start from the beginning and talk okay. to me a little bit about your mother, your grandmother, your father, what were these people built like? Because I think that that's something that I really want to emphasize in this series is that there is a genetic component. And I think there's a lot of people that are trying to go against type a little too much. So talk a little bit about your family. So my dad was a six foot three, uh, 300 pound plus Hawaiian dude. <laughs> and um, my mom is a uh, four foot nine, um, <laughs> you know, kind of probably always in the 200 pound range, um, little lady. And I'm a five foot three, kind of been all over the, the scale. Um, but, you know, I've actually been overweight since probably kindergarten. Okay, so now um, don't don't get ahead of me, right? So you're a, okay. you're a um, you're kind of a hybrid of your mom and dad. Is that correct? Yeah. And definitely. and you are Hawaiian, right? So um, yeah. now, so your dad was Hawaiian. What was your mother's nationality? My mom's Mexican. Okay. Hispanic, so. Gotcha. And so um, I think that that's interesting because, you know, I think as we sort of go down like the timeline of this, that's what I really want to start uncovering, right? And I think that, you know, some of the decisions that people make related to dieting, they don't often factor in the situation, right? So if like you're looking at your dad and he's 6'4", you know, Hawaiian guy, um, and you're going to school with, you know, um, you know, kind of people that are built differently, and there's pressure to be like that, then um, that does co color your decisions. So, yeah, talk to me a little bit about five-year-old Kulia. <laughs> So when I look back, I mean, I, I guess I was what I would consider an average size kid. And then I started noticing <clears throat> probably in my 
late kinder pictures in the first grade, um, that's where weight started going on. And, um, you know, I, we were a stereotypical middle-class family. Um, both parents worked. Um, you know, we had spaghetti for dinner and, you know, just there wasn't anything um, looking back that I could pinpoint in the earlier stages. Um, it, you know, probably, you know, typical kid eating whatever when the ice cream man came by or, you know. Yeah, so um, how, how old are you, Kuya? Right now, I'm 38. Okay, so you're a little bit younger than me. I feel like, you know, but I but I have a feeling that there's a some commonality there. I know that for myself, I remember TV dinners, right? Um, I don't remember there being a big emphasis on vegetables. Uh, my stepmother that I talked to you about before the call, um, I had I had five stepbrothers and sisters, so we had a really big family. How big was your family? Uh, so there are, it's myself, I'm the oldest, and then I have a sister that's four years younger than me and a brother that is eight years younger. Okay. So kind of a small family. Um, would you, if you were to describe the way that you guys ate right now, also give me some idea on do you remember what you weighed when you were five years old, you know, six, seven years old? I don't think, you know, I, what I recall is more the clothing size thing. I remember uh, the struggle of, of mom trying to get school clothes that were age appropriate yet, you know, fit. Yeah. Um, so I don't think I realized what weight I was until I got into like junior high. And that's where I have the first memory of I weighed X amount of pounds and, you know, at that age. So when you were five, would you say that you were wearing the clothes of a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old? Um, yeah, probably like the, like I said, the kindergarten age, so like that five year old range I was still pretty average and still able to fit in like little kids clothing it was probably like you know going into the after first grade into the second grade where you know I was wearing the larger sizes okay got you so talk to me a little bit about um what what meals look like at home because obviously you know we were both kind of coming from that transition where you had two parent homes, right? Both parents were working. And so convenience became a bigger thing. Were there still meals? What was it? Was it relatively healthy food or was it more convenient? No, I mean, so I'm sure, you know, we did a lot of McDonald's trips. I'm sure, you know, but that's one thing about my mom was that she would you know, I always remember her cooking dinner. So, you know, we would, it was meatloaf and mashed potatoes. It was spaghetti night. I mean, we lived in a town that had a tomato cannery and also did a uh, garlic. So we craved spaghetti a lot. So, you know, we would eat that. Um, <clears throat> the, the dinner meal portion was, 
you know, that I remember about my mom is, is always, she would always come home and, and do dinner. Um, so it sounds it's like, so, yeah. I'm sure there was, <laughs> I'm sure there was lots of, of convenient, you know, foods, but I, you know, I don't remember like the, the, you know, throwing anything in the microwave type, that type thing. Yeah. I mean, like, I think most kids grow up eating like macaroni and cheese, right? And and things like that. And that sounds a little bit, you know, you were probably a little bit ahead of the game because mom was making meals. Um, but, you know, it, it certainly wasn't just all chicken and kale, it sounds like. No, no, by no means. <laughs> yeah, and food, w- and food was celebratory, right? Like it was, it was oh, something that, that your family enjoyed. Oh, no, definitely. I mean, we, um, you know, anytime it was, you know, anything good, let's go get ice cream, let's go, you know, out to dinner, let's, so food was, food was not a main focus, but it was definitely what we would use to celebrate. I mean, any anytime, you know, something good happened, it's like the, the, I'm sure unintentionally, the, the uh, prize or the, you know, thing was to go, you know, get ice cream or go get, you know, yeah. McDonald's, you know, chicken nuggets. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think that that's, you know, I mean, look, there's probably a lot of people that look back at that with some level of shame. But let's be real. Everyone was doing it. I mean, I know when my kids first, you know, obviously I wasn't exposed to health the way that I've been exposed to health but I absolutely went to McDonald's you know for my kids meals Mm -hmm. sometimes right it wasn't all the time and it was always hard I remember my daughter um, when she was young she used to refer to all meat as pork chop (laughs) Um, so that was kind of a cute thing so um, do you remember your mother dieting Not really, to be honest. Um, My mom always um, emphasized drinking water. I do remember that. Like, that was the big, biggest thing. Always get your water in, get your water in, get your water in, and walking. Um, You know, she, but despite that, you know, I was still just putting on weight. (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, but I'm I'm more interested right now in like, you know, kind of, you know, what the background looks like still, right? So would mm-hmm. you say that, I mean, your mother was drinking water, right? She was focusing on walking, but you said she's, you know, under five feet tall, 200 pounds. Do you remember her being fit? I mean, do you remember her being active? Um, is she still alive? You know, she is still alive. She's a need to perform her. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's a neat performer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I just, I yeah. just realized that. No, you know, I don't. I. So you know, I look back at, at her older pictures, and and she was very active, drill team. Like she was, you know. Um, but I think once she had us, us kids, you know, she did what you know moms do, and just kind of put their energy into their family and stuff. So it wasn't a big household where, um, you know, she was always on a diet or something. But, you know, I I recall, and even up until before I got to eat to perform, not to jump ahead, before I got her to eat to perform, you know, she would 
she would do it more in a restrictive way, um, self-restrictive of, of her food intake, you know? So, you know, if I look back, it's, I don't, you know, she would eat with us, but it wasn't, um, she's very, she's very quiet about what she, you know, how she would manage her, her weight. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I think, you know, as an adult, right. I mean, like, uh, you don't really talk to your kids about what you weigh, right. Or no. what you do. And, um, so when you're dieting, you kind of don't want to interfere in their life, but at the same time you want to be responsible. Right. And so, um, and, and for most people, when they think of, you know, restrictive eating, dieting, you know, to the way that most people think it, not necessarily the way that eat perform does it. Um, the, it, it's not something that is family friendly, right? It's like, you know, just get as aggressive as you can as soon as possible. And that's sort of what leads to what I talked about earlier with that nuclear bomb effect, you know, where, Hey, I'm going to nuclear bomb the problem that I had and then um, we'll just deal with the ramifications afterwards. And then, you know, not realizing, you know, what all of that causes. Um, you know, I think, too, um, like, I know we're talking about my mom, but I think more of my um, dieting ideas or um, that type stuff was kind of placed by my dad. Um, he was a, he would do heavyweight. Um, lifting he would do like competitions and stuff and um, so my image of that you know I would make his protein shakes in the morning that was my job yeah um, before he went to work you know and so growing up I thought okay limit calories protein shakes and you know there was a period of time when he was competing that he was in the gym for hours in a day gotcha um, so do you, I so mean, I, so you remember your father weightlifting? Oh yeah. Yeah. He had competitions. He had, you know, he would pack up my brother and, and, you know, my brother would hang out at the gym with him and, and, you know, he'd be out there for, you know, hours at a time. And, and it was, uh, you know, it, it was before dad left to work. That was, I was proud. It was my job to make his, his sure. protein shake in the morning, you know, and, and, um, you know, it was never discussed. Yeah. Now it were the, were these weight, were these weight sports where he was concerned about his, his weight to, to make a weight division or something like that? No, he was in a, he was in a heavy, like lifting category. So it was, I mean, a heavy, heavy weight, I guess. Um, so it was, it was like deadlifting, powerlifting. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so those type competitions where, uh, it was strength, but you know, his, his weight wasn't, it's not like he had to make a weight. He didn't have to be, didn't have to be under a certain weight. To, yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, my dad, I guess I would have probably been, you know, eight or nine, and there was a new gym with like Nautilus equipment and stuff like that. But I don't remember him, you know, I don't remember going to the gym with him. But I remember that being a thing, right? 
Um, right. Okay, we're going to pause for just a second here. And then when we come back, I want to kind of start deep diving um, the middle school and, and kind of go into kind of the dieting history from there. So let's hang on for just a second. We'll be right back. We're back from our short break, and we are picking up the conversation with Kulia. <laughs> I keep wanting to call you Kulia, but it's Kulia. 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 Oh, why can't I get that right? Um, all right. So we were going to talk at this point about, you know, when you started to be a little bit more conscious of weight, and then the first time you knew what you weighed, which was, you had said, was in middle school. Do you... Talk to me about how that all happened. I think it was just, you know, I, I look back at pictures and I just kind of remember in junior high, you know, that's the point where I talked briefly about, you know, my mom having issues with getting clothing sizes. And, and I think in junior high was kind of where I became more concerned with, you know, how I was looking and things like that. And I just, I don't remember the day I figured out I weighed 210 pounds, but, you know, I weighed 210 pounds and I was in junior high. And, um, and that and, was, at what age do you remember that being? Oh, I guess I would have had to have been 12. Okay, gotcha. You know what's interesting about that is, um, you know, I, I have two teenage girls and... They have friends that are of all various sizes, right? Um, and I remember there, there's actually one gal that, uh, you know, is a real good friend. And I just think to myself, you know, because she, I don't know what she weighs, you know. I don't, I don't really have any idea what teenagers weigh. But when I see her, I think, wow, she is strong, Right. And she's not your typical small teenager. Right. But right. I do often wonder, you know, now being exposed to so many women um, and food that like I wonder what she thinks about. Like, does she think of herself as strong? Right. Like, how did you perceive yourself back then? Were you were you really conscious of it? Did, did people around you say, say things? You know, so I'm, I actually have a very outgoing personality and I learned at an early age to uh, make people my friends before they could make fun of me. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's a, that's a coping mechanism. And I just really just found myself, you know, having a lot of friends and if not being really nice to people and just being, um, you know, very friendly. So there were people who would pick on me about my weight and stuff, but I had built up my friend army that, you know, they would kind of flash back for me. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, I, I honestly thought I was fat and I look back now and I think at those pictures, I have a very specific picture in my mind of my friends and I at the school, um, at the pool, and we're all kind of standing there posing. And I look back and I think, gosh, I thought I was huge. 
Yeah. But I, you know, at the time, if I look at it, like my weight was distributed evenly across my body. I wasn't, um, you know, I guess I could say I carried my weight well. Um, but you know, there was always that you're getting into that age of dances and, and, you know, wanting people to like you and, and accept you and wanting to have the cool clothes and, and, um, that kind of stuff. But that junior high is where I realized, okay, I'm 200 plus pounds and, you know, that's way more than anyone else. Yeah. And, and I was probably, wh- I was probably one of the heavier kids at my school. Was it safe to say that I was 210 pounds and that is not okay? Or did you not feel that? No, I did. I mean, to a certain extent, there's, there's other things that, you know, kind of came into my life that, um, showed or gave me examples of why it wouldn't be okay. Um, and you know, I'm, I was very active. I would play in sports. I played softball. I, you know, did all that stuff, but you know, there's always that in your mind, you know, I'm the fat one, I'm the heavy one, I'm the, you know, yeah, that type of negative self-talk was starting to really form at that age. But people liked you, right? Where did you live? Yeah. Gilroy, California. Okay. Garlic capital of the world. No, actually, it's really funny because um, we visited there. I have actually stayed in your town. Um, Oh, nice. Yeah, and uh, we we always joked that uh, we went to... um, stay in the wine country and we ended up accidentally in garlic country um that was the yeah. the big joke at, at that time so boys right um were did you struggle finding dates for dances things of that nature or was 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 that an issue um so i i think in my whole um wanting to be friends with everybody, I thought I liked boys all the time. Like I, I thought I liked, you know, different, I always thought I was in love. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) And, but, but, you know, it was very realistic to me that what I was using as my coping mechanism to make everybody my friends, it was like, Oh, we're just friends, you know? Um, So it's not that I didn't have, um, you know, hanging out with boys and all that kind of stuff. It was just more, it was always on a friend level um, yeah. because I created that. Yeah, um, I can't remember so that. That was a second challenge I brought to myself. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the artist, but it's James something or other. And the song is beautiful. And he talks about falling in love instantly. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that reminds me of what you're saying i do that all the time i literally i I mean my wife knows this about me that i just um i'm a very emotional person uh i cry at the weirdest stuff right because (laughs) things that move oh like a, a a great example um would be 
you know, when a stadium, you know, in unison does one thing. That moves me to tears because I just right. think like how just you know, like at a concert or whatever, it's just it's just something that that literally 50,000 people are all doing the same thing and I just think that that's powerful and that brings out a lot of emotion, but no question in my mind that uh when I I fall in love with people for five seconds at a time that I don't even know, right? James Blunt, I think, is his name, and the song is beautiful, and I could okay. really relate re relate to that. Um, but so, okay, so you were athletic, right? And it sounds like you kind of looked like your mom, right? And and like a, yeah. a version of both your your mom and your dad. Did you feel any pressure? I mean, I, I actually sort of know where you live, so I know it's not necessarily right by the sea, right? But in California, you're sort of thinking of people that are going to the beach and surfing all the time and stuff like that. Was that not your reality? Did you not feel that pressure? No. Okay. No, that was not my reality at all. <laughs> but, but, okay, but I'm just telling you, as a, as a kid from Louisiana and somebody that lives in Minnesota right now, when anyone right. hears about anyone from California, they don't think about the place that you live, right? They're always right. no, they're, no. They think of like Santa Cruz or Monterey or yes, yes. So, um, <laughs> okay, so so going into high school, um, it sounds like that was probably a, a similar experience. Um, now, one of the big things that relates you to the community is your relationship with your husband. When did you meet your husband? Uh, let's see. So this weekend is our 11-year wedding anniversary, and so two years. So 13 years ago. Okay, so you're, you, you were married right about the same time. I, was, I married my wife when I was 25. It sounds like you married... Um, it, it, Lupe. It, I, Lupe, is it? So I, I don't... I don't yeah. wanna, I'm screwing names up left and right. I, I wrote it down though. Coolia. <laughs> Coolia. There we go. So people are going to be like, man, he just butchered her name left and right. Um, okay. So you're in high school. Um, did you go to college? Right. I did. I went to San Jose State. Okay. I have a degree in psychology and I don't use it <laughs> well that's interesting though i mean like how how you know um sort of the the discussions that you were having with yourself in your head like don't don't you find that the discussions that people are having in their head is always interesting and do you feel like you know you abandon the you know i'm fat talk at some point or do do you feel like you still struggle with that? And then how did your your degree kind of allow you to make some progress there? I think, you know, it's, it's funny because I think the negative self-talk would come and go. Um, so there was a lot of times where I would be really, you know, hard on myself and, <clears throat> excuse me, and then, you know, other times where I was just so, busy with everything else that, you know, I didn't, um, really come, you know, it didn't really affect me much, but I, you know, I went into to psychology because 
you know, I wanted to like help people and, and that kind of stuff. And, you know, just as I, I got my degree in it and then, you know, just decided to change gears. So, (laughs) so one of the things that intrigued me about doing this idea as a podcast was just the, Mm -hmm. the, um, narrative out there related to, you know, what is fat, what is not fat, you know, and, and I mean, there's going to be people that listen to this and just using the word fat, you know, um, I mean, when I think of it, I think in terms of adipose tissue, I think of, you know, having, you know, stored bodily fat to use. Um, but in terms of the way that, um, you know, when you look back at 210 pound Kulia, right? Do you feel that, you know, she was muscular, she was athletic, she was active, or do you feel like um, that was kind of the start of something that went into a negative way? I can only see that now. Yeah. Through each performance. We'll get that, we'll get to that point, but you know, looking back when I was, you know, at a different time in my life, when I was a lot heavier, I would look back at my pictures and be like, I wish I could be that size again. You know, that was, that was a good size, whatever that means. And I use the word fat, not because I like it. It's just because that's what the word was in my head back then. Yeah. Um, You know, it wasn't, there wasn't the thought of, I was strong or I was athletic or, you know, I played softball. I did, you know, um, you know, I could hit the ball further than anybody I knew, but none of that. It's only upon reflection now. Yeah. Um, versus at that time, that's not, you know, that's not what was. You didn't feel, you didn't feel strong and empowered and wonder woman and stuff like that. Those were not thoughts that were going through your head at that moment. No, (laughs) Not at all. What I think is interesting, and once again, you know, this is something that, you know, people will contest one way or the other. Because there's a lot of people that will say, you know, he's talking to someone that was 210 pounds as a middle um, schooler. And, uh, you know, he should, you know, maybe bring up the fact that, you know, that's too much for a middle schooler. I disagree with that. I actually think that... When someone is really any size, that being active is very important. So so much so that I really believe that, you know, you can positively affect your health in two seconds. You can literally go for a walk, right? And then when you're 210 pounds as a middle schooler and you look at your dad and you look at your mom and you go... I was kind of meant to be some version of this. Maybe 210 was a little bit too much, right? But I was probably going to be kind of a, you know, I mean, like here in the Midwest, obviously, you know, you've got kind of, my wife is kind of descendant of farm girls, right? And so she, she was really always meant to be kind of what you said, like proportional, have hips, you know, have chest, you know. And I think that there's a lot of people that kind of go against their type and they focus on, you know, what is, 
you know, at this point, obviously, we're not having a discussion about abs, right? We're having a discussion right. about what's healthy and what's not healthy. And where the reason why I think this podcast is, is important is because shaming people into, you know, um, body size, right? Like one size fits all um, is, is wrong. And, and it's not wrong from the perspective of, you know, it's unhealthy for that person because there's a lot of science that talks to the fact that, you know, some people are just not genetically meant to be who they are. And then if, if they can focus on, you know, being the, the most human being of that version, right, then they're going to come out with a much better outcome. But if you're 210 and you think that you're supposed to be 140, right, and that's not even reality. At 210, let's say that you have 170 pounds of muscle, but you think you're supposed to be 140, it's going to lead you down a, a really dark and bad path. Um, okay. Yeah, and you know, big boned. That was the, I don't know who told me that. I don't know where it came from. But one, if I were to think back, one of the thoughts that would, you know, it was always, oh, I'm big boned, you know. Now I look back and like, yeah, no, all of it was not bone. But, yeah. you know, if you look at my wrist size compared to the, you know, the another person my age at that time, I mean, I, I don't by any means think that even though I'm 5'3", now, you know, there's a very realistic range of where, you know, I would look sickly versus healthy. Yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, as someone who was obviously 250 pounds at one point, and I'm naturally a small person, right? Like, um, you know, I'm 5'8". Um, I wasn't really supposed to be 250, 260 pounds. And, uh, you know, when I got to 149, there was a lot of people that started to ask me, are you sick? You know, are you, you know, mm -hmm. like they started to get concerned for me just because I had gotten... Uh, so small and uh, you know at that point I wouldn't say that it was a um, you know I was really sort of chasing body fat like the like you know if I get to 8% body fat that you know I would have mm. a herd of unicorns in my backyard and and and, <laughs> right. and gold everywhere and it it really didn't end up being like that right and right. Um, so so I think you know, really sort of having the discussion of who we are as, as people, right? And not, not accepting, you know, necessarily um, an unhealthy approach, but you can be healthy at really any moment. It's just a matter of kind of making activity a priority in your life, making sure that you're eating an adequate amount of food. And obviously we'll talk about that. So let's talk a little bit about kind of your dieting history. Right. Because um, okay. when do you remember the first um, time that you were exposed to dieting and, and, and what was it? And did it, you know, did, a lot of people look at their diets and they go, the only thing that ever worked for me. And then you go, well, OK, but if it worked for you, then why didn't it stick? Right. Um, yeah. No, I think um, going into high school that was, you know, kind of where it was like, okay, I, I should probably do something about this. You know, it's like, I know I've been, you know, the, the fat kid for lack of better words. And, 
that's when, you know, I would intentionally make the effort to, you know, go out walking or restrict my calories. Um, you know, high school was, there was a time where, you know, I tried over the counter diet pills yeah. and I would have to, you know, hide those, um, which my mom eventually found. And, you know, that led to a whole other discussion, but, um, you know, over the counter diet pills, um, the cabbage soup diet. I mean, that was huge when I was in high school. Um, you know, people just, your friends and stuff. Oh, all you have to do is blank. Yeah. The one that I hate is, you know, that they held the fork, right? You know, they're the one mm -hmm. that did it to themselves. And it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, if, if this person's mom was 200 pounds and if the dad was six, four and 300 pounds, you know, they were just right. genetically meant to be a bigger person. Right. And then, you know, having two teenage daughters, I am exposed to um, teenagers and thoughts of weight. Right. And I mean, I had no idea that that level of undercurrent, like the idea of what you just said, that that teenage girls were thinking of dieting. No, I didn't know anyone that did that. I never knew anyone that thought about that. Right. Right. Um, I, I, yeah, so I think, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I think, I think high school was where, you know, it was more, um, about restricting food, um, or specific food. Um, and it probably was closer to, you know, my junior or senior year where now that I had a job, I could actually start trying to do, um, you know, by program. Yeah. And so, so was any of it successful for you? Do you remember, um, walking away from it and going, I met my goal? No, it was never, I was never able to lose a dramatic amount of weight. I actually would just fluctuate, you know, it's like I lose a couple pounds, gain a couple pounds and it would just, go back and forth and then you know oftentimes the gaining part would come into more play and I think the biggest thing you know as I look back was a lot of times I would do the restrictive um you know calorie type thing then I would just um flip to the opposite side and binge yeah I mean so when I talk about the idea and I've, I'm obviously not the first person to ever talk about it but the idea of dieting your way to obesity, does that ring true for you? Oh, it was exactly. And, and you'll see it, or I'll explain more later, but, you know, right before Eat to Perform was, you know, a great example of that for me. Yeah, I mean, um, and, and we can get to that story real quick, but what's interesting is that I was uh, 185. I remember being 185, like my whole life. Right. And I just, that was a number that I couldn't, couldn't get past. And that was a number that I would always come down to when, uh, I would diet. And what's interesting is, is I weigh just over 180 right now. Right. And, um, I, I'd gotten all the way down to 149, 149 pounds at one point. And, um, I think what's what's really interesting to me is just that thought of 
of set point, but also the thought of um, that things really didn't start to go bad until I started dieting, right? Like in general, you know, I was, you know, I wasn't unhealthy. Like if I had learned to start weightlifting, I mean, I remember being active as a, um, you know, 20 to 30 year old, right? But um, what I don't remember is, you know, making that a priority in my life. You know, I just played softball or um, I might, you know, play flag football or something like that. But my choices with food were sort of, um, you know, like, like you said earlier, you know, it was all, you know, I, I found a reason for joy. I found a reason for sadness, you know. Um, and there was, there was not a level of, of consciousness that, of course, that I have now. Um, so talk to me a little bit about that, you know, so you, so you're, you're in college, um, you, you, you did some dieting in high school. When would you say things got to be bad for you? So did the dieting thing in high school, um, you know, got out of high school, um, and weight was just piling on. Now I actually, this is just my own experience. I was in a long-term relationship by this point. Um, I went on a, um, shot form of birth control that was a three months at a time type dosage. And for nine months, in a nine-month period, I gained 90 pounds. Right, okay. So then it became, I'm now over 300 pounds and going into college and something really has to give. And in, in between, you know, I'm doing the different plans out there. You know, I did, I don't know if you want me to say names. But yeah, you know, yeah, I go ahead. Atkins, I did, okay, I did... You know, I did um, Weight Watchers, you know, and I would lose 10 pounds and then I would, you know, put it back on. Um, I did Atkins. I, I got so sick um, from my own accord because I can fixate on things. And I told myself, no carbs, no carbs, that I got so sick of eating just meat, protein, that I stopped eating. Yeah. Um, and yeah. to the point where I dehydrated myself and ended up you know, having to seek medical attention and, um, you know, always kept the calories low and, you know, Tybo came out. So I, you know, bought that and followed their meal plan. Um, you know, the, there were just so many different plans that I was going through and, you know, it, and I would do them for, you know, three, four, six months at a time and just nothing would change. And I would just feel like, why am I putting my energy into this? So then I would give up, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, some uh, people, some people get bothered by the fact that I equate it to addiction, right? The going to, or I equate it to being in an abusive relationship, but I don't think that there's any other way to describe it. Right. Like on the one hand, your life is, you know, out of control, you don't really know how to deal with the problems that you're having, right? But 
every experience that you had up to that point has been negative, right? Similar to an abusive right. relationship. And then you go back to another version of that abusive relationship. And that's, that's really sort of the connection. Like Tracy Mann uh, in her book, Secrets from the Eating Lab, talks about this. And she talks about the will power of dieters because, you know, like you're saying, um, it sounds like you might have thought that you had low willpower. And she makes the argument that from a, from a scientific standpoint, um, dieters very similar to you um, actually have more willpower than the regular person because what they don't think about are the nine times that they denied themselves. They only think about the tenth time that they indulged, right? Right. And so, you know, when you are naturally, I mean, like, do you ever think of it, you know, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but do you ever think of it from the standpoint of, man, you know, uh, before I started dieting, you know, honestly, if I would have just sat there and gone, you know, I'm 210 pounds, I play softball, I'm an active person, right? You know, like, what would your life be? Right. If you didn't, right. if you didn't go down that direction, is that ever occurred to you? No, I mean, I think, you know, like I said, looking back now, I see the strength that I had or the, you know, back then, but, you know, unfortunately during that time, as you're growing up, you just, you don't necessarily have that positive reinforcement. I just don't think the people that were, you know, in my life vocalized anything like that. And so I just didn't, you know, inherently know that those are the, the types of thoughts that, you know, I should have. But um, when, so I think it's... When you were in high school, right, and you're, you're over 200 pounds, I mean, do you feel beautiful at that point? Well, I've always thought I am beautiful. <laughs> yeah, like, don't, I but, mean, um, but that's kind of where I'm going with it, right? Like, I mean, we all look in the mirror. I mean, there was there was one instance where um, this was right as I met my wife. Um, and uh, my wife came over and visited our table. We were at this restaurant and um, the she thought that this person that was sitting with me who was kind of an acquaintance of mine was a friend of hers right and so she came over to say hi to everybody and I was like oh who's this gal you know um and uh was very interested and then as she left to go to be with her friends um this guy that that she knew who she was talking to said yeah she's a really cute gal but you know she could really lose some weight and I, and I was like, look, dude, you and me, we're going to have real problems if you think like that. Because first of all, I just think, I mean, like all I could think about was this woman, right? All I could think about was how, you know, she just had this spirit that was awesome. And I absolutely thought she was beautiful. My wife is not a small gal. I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of my wife or anything like that. Um, she's a Midwest country, you know, country girl, you know, and um, I, I think that, you know, 
I don't know that my wife, I just feel like my wife has always felt beautiful, right? I mean, we all have those moments where you, where you don't, right? But I, I, I'm just kind of interested in that from your perspective. So I think thankfully, like, you know, I have dimples. And so, you know, people would always like, oh, I love your smile or, you know, um, my hair, you know. So it was, it was not, there were things about me that I definitely um, felt beautiful about. Yeah. You know, and, and still, um, you know, it's one of those where it's like, I know and I've always known that my smile is one of, you know, the things where if I want to get someone to open up or, you know, yeah. all I have to do is smile and it just, you know. I think people, I think people, so, I think people's spirit resonate more than they think. Right. And like yeah. in the case of you, um, you're obviously one of the more popular people you interact in the private group quite a bit. But I don't know that you realize quite the level of how you, um, I mean, like people don't understand how much we're fans of yours, right? Because when I see someone and their spirit comes in and they're awesome and, you know, I mean, as far as I know, every single person that you know is doing you to perform and to me, that means that that people trust you and they believe in you and they've seen, you know, the level of success that it's had for you. And, you know, that that is just touching to me. Right. Um, yeah. But but I just want you to know that and I want you to know, you know, it was sort of like the it was sort of like what I talked about earlier, where you just fall in love with people for like five seconds at a time and it just touches you and I feel like that happens a lot with me at Eat to Perform right I see people yeah. and they just you know you know that their spirit is just solid gold right and I definitely feel that with you um thanks man yeah no problem <laughs> so okay so so let's talk okay so we birth control uh 300 pounds right. um we're right. uh, in the college yeah um, I, so I shared this on Eat to Perform, um, we're now talking like, probably like 1999, I, the year, 1999, yep. then I started looking into weight loss surgery. Yes. Um, I'm now over 300 pounds. I, in my mind, felt like, you know no plan that I had ever done worked. Um, it wasn't really, a, for lack of better words, a popular thing. It was just um, something I started looking into. And that was actually a two-year-long process for me before I even had it. Um, yeah. And during those two years, I was just up and down, up and down, still trying to um, get this weight off. Yeah. You know, without having to do the surgery, which I ultimately ended up doing. So let me ask you a question real quick b before we start to go into kind of what that next level is. But um, activity, because you mentioned Tybo, but you didn't, you mentioned the nutrition part. You didn't mention um, the activity part. Oh, I would do their videos. <laughs> yeah. And, That's my favorite video. I still like that video to this day, but. 
Yeah, and so so you would you were still active, right? And you're yeah. still trying yeah. to be fit. Um, you were just right. sort of struggling with like the the answer. Um, right. Okay. So it is interesting because I I was just talking to a dietitian the other day, and they talked about the efficacy of various mm. dieting models and stuff like this. Um, and you know, for really you know people that are struggling with their weight, you know, surgery um, does end up being an answer for a lot of people that um, may or may not work. Now, I, I, I'm assuming that it's probably much farther along than it was at that point because I remember, um, I'm just trying to think of when I started poker because I was playing poker from 2006 to, to 2008. And at that point, it was just starting to become kind of a bigger deal. You were kind of on the on the first range of it, right? I mean, like you know. Um, so I've told what well, I've actually literally told people that I did it before it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I think I actually even had it done before Carney Wilson did. Um, okay. Gotcha. I, I, I was not. It was. It was very right before I think she kind of came out and shared her journey and, 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 uh, then it just seemed like, uh, you know, more people I knew were starting to look into it, but yeah, I did it, um, before I did it at a time when it was actually kind of not accepted and it was more, <laughs> I did it on the low. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very quietly. Yeah, no, I mean, like right now, I mean, I know somebody who's done it three times, right? Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's much more um, widely accepted now. I think the, the struggle that I always have is that we see people on, like I said, on the other side um, that really weren't counseled appropriately. Like, do you remember having many discussions about what would happen after and how you should eat and what you would think and stuff like that? Or was that not a big part at that point? So it's at, at that point, so I spent a year um, doing internet research and stuff on my own before I even went to my doctor. Then I went to my doctor and their process was a year, essentially. Um, and during that time, they have you, you know, you have to see a nutritionist, you have to go in for a psych evaluation, you have to... Um, but at that time, it was the beginning of those um, prerequisites to the surgery. So literally, those those meetings were five minutes long, yeah. um, and and so there wasn't. It was more, you know, don't overeat after the surgery. Don't sabotage yourself. Um, get, they did. I will say that they, they did do the you need to be in an eating and exercise plan because this is a tool. Um, but I, I have actually honestly thought of kind of going back and aside from making everybody who wants to have weight loss surgery join ECP, but at points in my life, I had wanted to go back and like do some type of educational seminar for these people and be like, do you really know the journey you're taking and people would ask me all the time you know after I had it should I have it done and I, I tell them I it took me two years to to get to that point and um 
I can I can give you information, but only you can decide. You know. Yeah, I so. I I don't know many people who've come out of it well, right? Because the no. like so so let me give you an example of what I mean by by well. Um, you know, one of the big standards is did you meet your weight goal and did you stay there? Um, a lot of the time, the people that are successful with weight loss surgery, um, they have a very disordered relationship with food. And the people that aren't successful, similar to my friend that's done it three times, um, they, they kind of ignore the you know intervention piece. Um, one of the things that's interesting about you know, shows like The Biggest Loser and all these shows that really don't exist anymore. Have you noticed that? Like they all went away all at once when they started to get like our we're making a game show of people's misery. Right. Um, and then this idea of of yelling at people um, that, you know, I remember boy, the Olympian guy, I can't remember, Rulon. um can't remember his last name. Uh, maybe that is his last name, but I remember him eating in the middle of the night, and then them them shaming him for that, and just thinking to myself, he's eating because he's starving, you know. Um, and I and, yeah, I and if I look back, I think that those those shows. I mean, I I was just as guilty as watching them and thinking, you know, oh, I I could only be on that show. And um, but the one thing that I would would looking back think is. Well, yeah, they're they're starving them, and they're in a gym for ten hours in a day. You know what else could happen but the weight come off? You know. Yeah, I mean, um, I will I will say that that's the one piece that they do have right. Right, that activity mm -hmm. needs to become a component. When I look at all the people that have had, you know, the kind of a success that that you know you would you would be really proud of, you know, Lynn and Chris and, you know, um, all the people that are really active in the community, what do they all have in common? They all do exercise a lot. Like they exercise more than I do, you know? Um, mm -hmm. now, you know, for me to get from 250 to, to 150, um, I, I make no bones about it, right? I l quite literally work my ass off. You know, I was working out all the time. And so activity absolutely needs to become a component. But, and, and I'm, I'm dying to hear what, what your thoughts are on this. But when I look back on uh, my experience, the one thing that I did really smart, um, when I was 250 pounds, I first started off on machines that were low impact. Now I got sick a lot. Right. And it was interesting because I was talking to another person that was very similar to me recently. And they talked about getting a, a really bad case of shingles. Um, and I don't think people realize how susceptible they are. Right. Like so like you think to yourself, man, I'm going to go all in and I'm going to lose all this weight. And then you don't realize, you know, when you start to have that level of activity like even if you're eating a lot right normal kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier spaghetti you're trying to eat i mean when i first started off that was the idea right i was going to exercise my way out of you know right 
And you start to realize, like, I don't want those problems, right? There's got to be a, a happy medium. And there's there was always kind of places. So I'm, I'm interested to hear. So you, you did weight loss surgery. Right. Successful? Uh, so I lost a hundred pounds in the first six months. I thought this was my answer. Yes. And, um, you know, I'm now at this point went from within the first year, I went from 330 pounds to 188 pounds and life was grand. Yeah. Um, it was genuinely grand, right? Like, I couldn't eat. My yeah. hair was falling out. I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat more than, you know three tablespoons of food. Um, but I didn't have a lot of adverse reactions that other people have experienced, you know? So for me, it was kind of like, nice. This weight's coming off and this is my answer to everything. So let me just stop you there for a second, because there's a part <laughs> of that that I think is really interesting, right? I mean, you, you liked being 188 pounds, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, do you remember being 188 pounds and going, man, if I could just get to 168, boy, this would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> there was always that, you know, that next level of, okay, if I could just get down further. And for some reason, I finally fixated in my head that if I could get down to under 160, even though that was heavy for my you know, BMI, whatever the doctors say, you know, all that fun stuff. Um, it just, for some reason, if I, in my head, I had, if I could get below 160, that life was going to be perfect. See, that's, um, that's you know, 188 was my lowest. <laughs> that's the addiction part, right? That's yeah. the, that's the exact part when you're, you're as healthy as you could possibly be, right? You could actually stop there. Like, that's the problem that we all have. Cause I remember that for myself. I remember, you know, um, being 162 pounds and 21%. And now, you know, from a health perspective, I'm, I'm doing okay. Right. I, I've got a malfunctioning thyroid at this point because I've been, you know, um, kind of burning the candle at both ends and eventually figured that piece out. But uh, I, I, I just, you know, it's, it's like once you start to get healthy, now it's about abs, right? Or now it's about, sure. you know, making the CrossFit games or now it's about, you know, doing, you know, X amount of marathons. It's, it, it, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to find that place where you're just like, okay, you know, I'm going to just be healthy and, and I'm going to do my thing. Um, and I, I wonder if that's, you know, cause I, I mean, one of the things that I definitely want to do with this series is to get other people's experience, because I think that there's probably a lot of commonality between, you know, my experience, your experience, and even people that are 115 pounds, right? There's 115 pound people that want to get to 108, <laughs> Right? Like it's, right. it's just seems like almost enough is never enough. And what's interesting, you know, from like your dad's experience with the weightlifting and the protein drinks and stuff like that, is there's so little emphasis on the muscle piece in terms of leaning out, right? right? Like, I mean, when right. you were 188, were you thinking, man, if I could just put on some, you know, 
20 pounds of muscle, I'd really lean out. That was, I'm assuming, was not even in the no. conversation. No, no, muscle had no, no, um, I guess, priority. It was a number on a scale I was chasing. It was, you know, and I look back and I was, you know, that whole term skinny fat, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever it is where you're like, I, I was just, Sure, I was 188 pounds, but I was much. Yeah, I mean, like when you look at the amount of muscle that you had as a 210-pound 12-year-old, right, 13-year-old, whatever you were, the amount of muscle mm -hmm. that you had at that point was was severely diminished, you know, once oh, weight yeah. loss. Yeah, I, I do remember, like, my calves. Yeah. Like, I do remember specifically when I was in junior high, like, I had strong calves. I could look down at my calves and I could see the muscle. Yeah. So, and so, so I look back and, and, and see, you know, oh, there was, there is a huge difference, but you know, by the time after the surgery and I lost all the weight, it was just a number. I had no, no concept of building lean muscle or building any type of muscle to, to be okay at that weight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying because I mean, when when I was 162, this was right before I started CrossFit. Um, you know, I mean, I walked into CrossFit and I was like, yeah, this is harder than what I'm doing, so this is going to be better. But um, I had already, you know, I was into body fat testing, right? And I mean, body fat testing, you know, is is right for you know, the same thing that the scale problem has, right? People become way invested in to body fat percentage, and I certainly was, you know, and I was, you know, I mean, even to this day at the University of Minnesota, other than, you know, the people that work there, I've done the most body fat tests, right? Um, and it, it just became like such a big thing to get to single digits, and I kind of got stuck for about eight to 10 months at right around 21%. It's and it's funny because I you can go into my fitness pal right now and look at my profile and it'll say, you know, 20% or bust, right? Um and I leave that there as a reminder of where things used to be for me. Like I remember being stuck at, right. you know, 20% or above um but I didn't understand at that point and it became abundantly clear after about six body fat tests then i gotta start building muscle and that's sort of what led me to crossfit that's sort of what led me to powerlifting and things of this nature so you know yeah. talk to me a little bit about you know because we you know this has obviously gone a little bit long but i i think it's a good discussion and i'm willing to go as long as we can because i think you know people are going to be really interested in this but what things do you feel like from your whole experience right and not not just I know you probably think I want to hear the not dieting part, but but what things did you learn that you feel like added something to your life that you still take to this day? Um, it didn't come till later. Well, okay, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go back on you. Okay, you're okay. you said that you were you were active. You said that you played softball, you, and then you said that you liked the Tybo and you still like those tapes, right? 
There was something in your head that was saying, I'm a physical human being. I think that's something that, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, kind of in that aspect, it was more, um, just the thoughts of, of staying active, whatever that meant. Yeah. You know, I think that was carried with me, you know, the entire, my, my whole life. But even your mom, right? Like you, you talked about your mom with the walking and stuff like that. I mean, moving, moving was always a thought. It was always in the back of your head. It's just it got kind of clouded by all of this weight and dieting stuff. Is that is that close? Am I putting words in your mouth? No, no, no. That's I mean, that's definitely. It was always, you know, my mom. <laughs> if I would, you know, go to her and be like, oh. I'm, you know, I need to lose weight. She'd be like, well, get up, you know, start getting your walks in, make sure you're getting your water in, you know? So those kind of stuff carried with me. Yeah. The one thing I don't want to do with these is, is like this blatantly obvious, Hey guys, we're selling eat to perform. Cause honestly we sell eat to perform. It's fine. Right. We're doing good. You know? Um, but I am interested in what eat to perform did for you. Right. Like that emphasis right. of, hey, I'm a physical human being, because when I hear you, you know, I mean, the the pictures with the meat with you and Lupe, um, yeah. where, you know, you guys look strong. Right. I mean, do you think of yourself yeah. as as strong? Yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I I think so you know, to get to where we are with Eat to Perform, like there's, you know, I went 10 years without really honestly thinking about dieting. After I had my weight loss surgery, I was, it was in my mind, a permanent fix. I would gain a couple pounds, not a big deal. Um, but then, you know, I had, I had two kids after weight loss surgery, Yeah. you know, our, our, and that's one thing that they told me when I had it was, you know, don't plan on having kids. And at that time I was like, nope, not planning on having kids. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, I went through that, which, you know, weight goes up and during your pregnancy and, and, you know, I was able to get down to some point, but, you know, I would bounce up and down for like 10 years. And then, um, so post, weight, was, so post weight loss surgery, what would have been the highest that you got back up to? So, so initially to where I then, oh my gosh, I have to do something again. Yeah. <laughs> is I got back to that 210 number. Yeah. Um, you know, Lupa and I, actually, I remember on my wedding day weighing myself and I was 210 pounds. And, um, you know, luckily it, that didn't cloud my day at all by any means. I mean, it was not nothing like that. I just remember that happening. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so we were, you know, I was kind of like, okay, you know, back to the, you know how you said abusive relationship, you go back to what you were familiar with. So I would go, I did, you know, Weight Watchers again. And I, the problem is, is that now that program wants me to eat X amount of food. And physically, I still was not able to eat large quantities at that time, you know, like six years ago. 
Yeah. <laughs> that um, that you know I couldn't do those plans. So then it was like, okay, cut out the carbs, right? Because carbs are bad and yeah. and all that fun stuff. Um, you know, then I I knew I had to get active. I I at one point after my daughter was born, she's seven now, so she was probably a year or two, and I um you know, did a boot camp and loved the boot camp. I think that's just my thing. Yeah. No, I mean, it does sound like, it does sound like you're somebody. I mean, like I I do, there's, as we're talking, I'm like, I wonder if 210 pound middle school gal, if, if, if she had found like activity as a piece in her life, where would that have taken you? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think, because I think yeah. that all the time. I think, you know, man, if I knew what I knew at an earlier age, but you kind of only know what you know. So talk to me a little bit about exactly. what, what your life's now. Um, but I am interested to know, um, you know, post Weight Watchers, post Low Carbing, and then eventually you find Eat to Perform. Um, but where, right. where, you know, what would you say that your post-pregnancy highest weight would have been at that point so let's actually just go six months before each perform okay um yeah i did everything under the sun again back and forth whatever weight was still increasing six months before each perform i won a um six month session with a health wellness coach who was a friend of the family (laughs) um is a friend of the family sorry great guy um and, you know, I was working with him on, on overall, you know, it was great because he was looking at overall everything in your life, not just food, not just exercise, yeah. not just weight it was, you know, things that make you happy and, and all that kind of stuff. So it was a great, I, I loved that experience, but, you know, I started to then meal prep and um, because the weight component was an issue and I was probably now about in the 240 range and I'm, you know, logging on my fitness pal back then I'm meal prepping. Um, you know, I'm, but I'm sticking to a 1200 to 1300 calorie diet. I had no clue about macros. Yeah. Um, I just had that calorie number in my head and I actually think it was something that I got off of my fitness pal as a recommendation of, you know, stay in this range. And I went, okay, perfect. And, um, you know, I was working out, I was doing the elliptical for an hour to an hour and a half, six days a week. And, you know, I would show him every two weeks, I would have this, um, this session with him and I would show him like, look, look at what I'm doing. And that's when he would really try to get me to focus on other aspects of my life, which is great. But during those six months, you know, I, logged everything I ate. I meal prepped. Um, I did all that stuff and nothing was happening. I was still putting on weight. Yeah. Um, and so do you know that you, do you know that you and I have that in common, right? That, um, (laughs) the, uh, um, what my first, my, my experience, right. So I, I would go to the gym and I would do a version of elliptical. It was kind of a combination elliptical stair stepper thing. And I would do that for an hour and a half. Um, it's funny that we both landed at an hour and a half. Um, right. And uh, 
I would do it at high intensity because at that point everyone was on to high intensity, right? That was the thing. It was yep. going to solve all the problems. And then what yep. I would do is I would go home later in the afternoon. Now, remember, I'm a poker player at this point, so my schedule is pretty flexible. And I didn't have, you know, at this point, I don't even think I was playing poker because, uh, you know, I, I, I could choose to not play poker if I wanted to, you know, because I was at least that successful. And then mm -hmm. I would go home and I would eat lunch and I might take a little bit of a nap. And then every day at three, at, from like three to five, I would go back to the gym and do more cardio stuff. Um, and right. I probably yeah. did that, you know, for two to three months. Kind of what you said. I did see some success. I, I you know, like I said, right. um, I got to the point where I was willing to weigh myself. Right. That's how bad it was. Like when I say I was 250 pounds, because I was listening to the, the discussion I was having with Tracy Mann, where I said 230 pounds, 230 pounds was the time that I was willing to weigh myself. I weighed much more than 230 pounds, you know, so. Yeah, um, the opposite. I obsessively weighed myself. Yeah, I think that that's a. Like I would weigh myself three, yeah. four times a day just to see, you know, was there any change? <laughs> well, I definitely got that obsessive at a certain point, right? Because yeah. you, you just want to see, see that progress. Um, so, yeah. so. So it, I went through that program, that wellness program. And, yep. you know, it was done in like June-ish. And <laughs> I got a lot out of it that had nothing to do with my weight going down, which wasn't the point, you know, really it was for overall health and, and, um, and then, you know, I started going back to the, okay, I must not be um, doing enough. You know, it, what else is the answer? Like, I just, you know, must be eating too much and stuff. So then I went through a period of like, in a couple months, I just put on another like 15 or 20 pounds. And, and obviously, I'm sure there were lots of, of, non-healthy foods that made their way in but I was to a point where I didn't know what else to do and I literally the day that I came across Eat to Perform I literally had just gotten off the phone with the surgeon um, the surgeon's office to get information about having my surgery redone and now I was scared to death because I now have two kids my family my husband and that's the last thing I want to do so I'm literally like on my lunch break crying, you know, how am I going to come up with $10,000 to get this thing redone? Um, and went back into work and logged on to Facebook and as I mean, literally eat to perform like advertisement came up or something. Yeah. And, and I just was like, okay, what's this? And I stopped the page for like two weeks <laughs> and kept going back and forth in my mind. And finally, after uh, I think it was the end of August, I said, that's it. This is my last hope. If this does not, if I'm going to follow everything they say to a T and if this does not work, I'm going back in for surgery. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we hear that. I mean, like for you to say two weeks, I mean, most people are like six months I follow the page for two years, you know, that kind of thing. But the one consistent thing that seems to happen is that people, people, um, have literally tried everything, 
right? And they go, mm-hmm. well, this crazy guy saying that I can actually eat food, you know, I'm willing to try it, you know. And so, so let's talk a little bit about what your macros are now, right? Um, so do you know your overall calories? I mean, I can pull them up if you need me to. Yeah, you'll probably have to pull them up because I, I have them locked in on my <laughs> But, you know, when I started eating, before I started off at a baseline plan, so like my low day carbs were 130 and I think my low day carbs now are 329. Yeah. So, I mean, it just really goes to show that, you know, a lot of the preconceived thoughts about who we are as human beings, right? Um, talk to me a little bit about your activity though, because I, I, I know a lot about your food, but your, uh, let's see, uh, I actually have your calories in front of me and your high, your highest day, which is super days is right around 3000 calories right? Yeah. You know, it, yeah. Um, what it reminds me of um, is when I was 25 years old, I had some financial troubles and I went bankrupt, right? And when I look back at those bankruptcy papers, it was for like $24,000, right? It was like, it was like not <laughs> a lot of money, you know, in relationship to like adult money. And don't you think right. that there's a parallel to like the weight loss surgery and, and some things like that where you go, oh my God, I could have been eating 3,000 calories, going to the gym, right? So what do you do now in terms of activity? So, you know, I <laughs> so I get my steps in. Woo-hoo. I focus on getting over 10,000 steps. And yeah, your steps, we, aren't, your steps aren't like... I mean, a lot of people would, would think that, okay, she eats 3,000 calories a day. She's clearly doing 30,000 steps a day. Your, your steps are like 10,000. No. Yeah. No, no, they, they're in the 10,000 range. And, and um, you know, I was doing uh, nine rounds, uh, or I am doing nine round kickboxing. I, I hurt my back a couple weeks ago, and I'm now trying to get over the fear of going back because I did it while I was there. Yeah. Um, but you know, I do that three to four times a week, which is again, kind of like that boot camp type setup, which yep. I just think I secretly have an obsession with. Um, and to me, it's, it's now because, you know, I have a full-time job. My husband and I own a Hawaiian barbecue catering company. We have two kids. He works full-time also, you know, with the craziness of everything, I'm all about getting in, getting it done, getting out. Yeah. So, and I mean, um, you're, you know. you're like my wife, right? Like my, um, my wife and oh, by the way, you know, one, uh, if you guys will have us, I mean, one of the, the next eat reform meetups, it, we're going to, we're going to come to you guys. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. uh, cause I think that would be a lot of fun, but you know, my wife is the same way, you know, she, she ended up loving CrossFit much more than I do. You know, um, I like CrossFit, but you know, I, I have flirtations with powerlifting and bodybuilding and, and things of this nature. She likes it probably for the same reason you like it. You know, you go there you feel like you worked out, you got a good sweat on, and you left, yeah. right? Um, and so, Lupe and I did um, CrossFit for a year at this awesome place in Gilroy, um, Coast Range CrossFit, and you know we loved it, and we followed Paleo while we were there, and you know it really helped us build muscle and stuff. But 
point with our schedules, it got crazy. And, you know, so we veered away from it and, and we still, you know, have that. It's also the community thing, you know, because yeah. um, in the boot camp, when I would go to a boot camp, you know, we had the group there. When I go to CrossFit, we had our team there and everybody was cheering you on, you know? So I, I am very much a social person. I definitely think that that is part of um, my workout success because, you know, I'll walk, I'll get my walks in or whatever, but, you know, I would much rather go to a place, get in there, get it done, get out. But, you know, there have to be people there too, that are going to kind of be incorporated in that because like, I'm not one to go to a gym, get my workout done and get out, you know? So I think there's a social aspect to it too. No, there is. And I mean, I think that, um, you know, now, doing a little bit more bodybuilding you know everybody's kind of like got their headphones on and no one talks and so that sort of sucks <laughs> and i mean i went to a party with uh some of my crossfit friends who I haven't seen in a while um and i still plan on doing the crossfit open and and um you know i actually have you know kind of a setup where uh i will do some metconning up coming up here real soon um so okay so let's finish up because obviously we've i've taken up way too much of your time but uh yeah, so there's a couple more things i want to tell you <laughs> yeah so i mean i know we want to talk a little bit about your husband but one, one of the things i wanted to talk a little bit about was um we had gotten to, to a calorie point where we thought was really good right and yeah. um then i was like hey we need to go higher. We really need to push this. Yeah. And I remember you pushing back a little bit like, oh, no, don't make me, yeah. you know. And now, I mean, don't you feel like now looking at the runway that you have, right, the runway that we've been able to build up that we could potentially use, right? Like, I mean, we're not saying that we never have somebody – reduce calories but but certainly never to the level of 1100 to 1200 calories right that doesn't happen right um, well you know one thing i've noticed like the thing that's really helped me um wrap my head around it is that <laughs> so i've been in performance um for a long while um i think we changed it back in like may or june um, to where the where it was really starting to increase, the calories were just going to start. And, you know, I initially started off in what I thought was fat loss because, you know, of course, that's what you think you want. And I think I got switched pretty quickly, like six weeks in. And, and then it was like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm still losing weight. You know, I did, I was losing a pound a week in fat loss. And then I got switched to this you know, I, I think we called it performance recon at the time because <laughs> it was last year, but we, um, you know, the calories were increasing and wait a minute, I'm still losing a pound a week. Like, how is that possible? So it was um, a big learning experience for me that, you know, I was eating more and yet the weight was still coming off. So I, I know, I know the exact period where you're talking about, and there was really not a lot of difference between um, fat loss and what we called, uh, you know, performance at that point, right? Which is very different than performance recomp, which is what you're in right now, right? So performance recomp really allows you to kind of expand your metabolism 
to the point. And I mean, what I love about what you did and how you did it is that when we were looking at setting up a fat loss cycle, you know, everyone, like you said, you know, comes in and they want fat loss, right? Um, But what they don't realize is that they can have so much more success by kind of flexing their metabolism. If you think of your metabolism as a muscle and you work that muscle, you know, the muscle being, you know, the, the metaphor being muscle being your metabolism. If you work that muscle, then we can have a lot more room. And the fear, of course, is that you're going to gain a bunch of weight, which, of course, you know, right. going from, say, 2,000 calories to 3,000 calories, you haven't gained any weight. You've stayed weight stable, right? And I know right. that gets frustrating for people because they always want to, you know, it was sort of the discussion that we were having earlier of, I'm 188. Boy, I wonder what 168 would look like, right? At right. some point, you do have to stop. And you do have to go, okay, I got to sit here for a little bit, right? And now yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work. I'm going to eventually progress. But sometimes I just have to kind of stay where I'm at. And so that's been kind of interesting. So I know there was a, a few other things that you wanted to talk about. And certainly um, the effect for your, your husband is something we should definitely bring up before we leave. Yeah. So I, you know, I did it on my own. I started in, in August and kind of was just <laughs> doing my own thing, still making regular meals for the family and stuff. Um, my husband had ankle surgery in June and was kind of, you know, not really being active, but losing some weight, which we now kind of figured was like muscle because he wasn't really walking. He had ankle surgery. Yeah. Um, but he was getting ready to go back to work and he was like, Hey, I want, I want to do what you're doing because, um, you know, I want to start working on myself. And so I, I had him go in and get blood work done. Um, just because I was kind of concerned that he was losing some weight, not really quote unquote doing anything. And, um, and so I wanted to make sure there wasn't any crazy, you know, Thing that was going to pop up and was really causing this. So get them in, sign them up for um, each perform. And literally, I said this many times in my post, literally the day that we got him signed up and got his plan, his baseline plan, um, we got his results. And within the results that we were looking at, he was basically had a fasting blood sugar of 255. So he is now considered type 2 diabetic. His triglyceride level which anything I think over 499, they freak out and put you on medication on. He was at like 650 or close to 700. He had high blood pressure that was, um, you know, predisposed in his family and, and they were ready to put him on medication for that. Um, and we literally freaked out. The doctor says, okay, you got to watch what you're eating. No more than 90 to hundred grams of carbs a day. And we had a literal discussion about like, let's try this plan. Let's see what we can do on this plan. We let you and um, Dr. Brad know <clears throat> that, you know, we got these results. And, you know, I was expecting, honestly, this like low carb plan to come back and it didn't. And I told my husband, I was like, we just got to have faith and, and just stick to it. So, you know, basically it turned into, I'll cook it, you eat it, don't eat anything else, get your steps in and let's do this. Um, and 
you know, his weight started coming down. He would go to his first appointment. Um, I think it was like a three month checkup and his doctor was floored. His, you know, triglyceride level was under 200 at that point. Um, his fasting blood sugar within two weeks, his fasting blood sugar was in normal range every morning. Um, on the higher end, but it was still quote unquote normal. Um, you know, and, and he's just been, you know, we joke that I think he's been to the gym twice since he's been on each of the form. Um, and he just really, it was a focus on getting your steps in, you know, getting your sleep in and, 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 um, the weight was coming off and now, you know, we're working on getting his, his plan up and stuff, but that's the hugest part for me is that he was a walking heart attack and within, you know, less than six months of, of eating, um, the right ratios, I guess we should say, um, you know, he just got everything under control and, you know, his weight down, coming down. I mean, eating like a human being, right. I mean, like that, that, you know, the problem that, that I think happens and look, I, I have a lot of empathy to doctors, right? We see a lot of the similar type stuff, but the, the difference between what we do and what doctors do is I think our side is a little bit more proactive and their side's a little bit more reactive, right? Right. And so us bringing him food and saying, okay, this is what we've seen. I mean, once you see, I mean, like if you think about doctors, right? They might deal with 15 patients a day and let's multiply that by, you know, 40 weeks, right? So the best that they're going to see is, you know, roughly 600 people, right? And some of those people they're going to see multiple times. So let's bring that down to, say, 400 people. And I would argue that it's probably even less than that. We've seen 150,000 people, right? And right. so, so when we see that, and then obviously Brad's, you know, background from a standpoint of uh, being a diabetic researcher, we have some understanding that, and we've seen some things that other people don't do, but we believe food is the answer. That's the key. Right. And, and well, when, you know, go ahead. Sorry. The, the great thing about like each performance is that, you know, and I've again, put it in my post is that. You know, there's been, you know, perfect days. There's been not perfect days. There's been the forget about it. I'm not going to do this days. You know, um, they're, they're all part of it. But the yes. thing is, is that we have a solid plan in place that, okay, you know, it, it's not, it, it's one of those, I love when someone goes and posts and they're like, oh my God, all this happened, you know this weekend and I ate nothing but junk food and you know, should I jump to a low day and, and everybody jumps in and says, pick up where you left off, keep on going. And to me, that is a huge thing because it's not like you're starting over, you're continuing. Yeah. And, and that was one thing that, you know, all, you know, I'm starting on Monday, I'm starting on Monday, you know? And, and so that's the great thing for me about like each performance is so flexible, you know, um, we, I meal, meal prep. I also, so after hubby, we got him all situated and stuff in February, my mom who lives with us, um, she, you know, the year prior went through breast cancer and they gave her medication that she has to be on a hormone medication that she has to be on for like 10 years. Um, and they basically told her like, yeah, plan to gain weight. And, um, in February she said, 
February this year, she came to me and, and I've never been one to push anything I do on anybody else. And so, which is hilarious because they, you've signed up a ton of people, right? I mean, I <laughs> there's so many people yeah. that are like, you know, came in through you. And so I, um, I, you know, my mom came to me and was like, will you help me do what you guys are doing? And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. But you got to eat because now going back to growing up, my mom was always a restrictive person. Yeah. And so, you know, when she started in February, she would um, have a cup of coffee in the morning, maybe a salad for lunch and a little bit of dinner. And that's all she would eat all day. And so I told her, I'm like, you know, you got to eat. And so, you know, my mom's been on since February. So here's one thing I do want to bring up. My mom's been on since February and she's lost like over 30 pounds. Yeah. And um, here's one thing I want to bring up is that for a lot of newbies, people are saying, you know, what do I do? What do I do? And you just say, just start the plan. Just start the plan. I honestly think, first of all, I think my journey on ETP has been extremely successful. I'm down over 40 pounds and, you know, eating 3000 calories and not dying in the gym. But I honestly think, because my mom and my husband had no adjustment time, <laughs> um, I think out the gate they were more successful. If you were to measure yeah. via weight or via whatever, you know, because I pretty much was like, okay, I'm meal prepping. You, I cook, you eat, don't eat anything else, do this, do, you know. No, it, it, it's a great, a we, we say that all the time that like, just do the plan, right? Like if you do yeah. the plan, you're going to have more success. But the problem is, is that a lot of people come in, right? Similar to, you know, that's why I always admire the people that come in alone and, and are able to do it. Right. Similar to what, yeah. what you did. I mean, like it would have been yeah. a little bit so, slower, but yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. My biggest thing is that like, I, like, I always want to tell people just do the plan. Like just hit green from the beginning. And, and because I saw it, I myself, because I'm an investigative person and I like to research things and blah, blah, blah. You know, even though I was totally committed to, to each perform when I initially started, there was a transition period. There was a build-up period. And, and at that time, there was, you, <laughs> Eat to Perform was allowing us that transition period. You know, now yes. the focus has really changed to, nope, here's your plan, <laughs> let's go. And, yeah. and I think that's a great transition. It is, it is um, because, you know, I think, I think you're right, is that we were trying to be too sensitive to people. And, and, and look, you know, there's, there's some people that say, wow, that Paul guy is a real jerk. I mean, look, I'm not being a jerk. I'm saying this is who we are, and maybe you're not a good fit for this, right? And yeah. like that, I don't mean that necessarily in a in a judgmental way. Now, if somebody comes at me, you know, in a very negative way, you know, right. then I will defend because the way that I look at it, if somebody's overtly negative, you know, in the app or, or to my staff. You know, I, I just right. don't feel like the the way that we care for people, you know, it just feels disrespectful, you know, because yeah, we, we literally, you know, just don't stop thinking about you guys, you know. Right. Um, and there's, and you guys have shown that, like, you know, and, and 
So my thing, though, I think if I had one piece of advice for a person considering each to perform, I would say get the moment you get the plan, just start going, just do it. And, and I honestly, you know, the nice thing though, is that each to perform has kind of spread through my family in the sense that, you know, we have two kids. My biggest fear for them was to deal with weight issues that I had to deal with growing up. And we got everybody fitness trackers. And literally we were, we make the effort to sit down to dinner every night. And, um, we all have our fitness trackers and we go around and that's one of our discussions every night at dinner is how many steps do you have today? You know, to, to my seven-year-old, my, my, you know, my 10 year old son, they, we all go through and discuss how many steps we have and, you know, well, what did you do to get those steps? See, there's always people that would tell us about, yeah, there's always people that will judge that scenario, right? Saying, well, is that, you know, the way that you want to talk to a seven-year-old or something like that? And I think people need to be a little bit understanding that if you hadn't come from that background with weight issues and stuff like that, that it's not on the top level of your brain. When you think of the health of your child, right, the, the big concern is, is this child going to be healthy? And, you know, I always say I don't want kids worrying about eat reform because, you know, let kids be kids. But I do think that having whatever, I mean, like what you're saying with your child, I would not do that with my child, right? But I have two girls. Right. And I think that there, there right. is some difference there. Right now, what's well, interesting? We don't do it. We don't do it though. In, in fairness, though, we don't do it as a. It's not a negative thing if they don't, you know. Yeah, yeah. Make a certain step. It's more of a sharing thing. It's more of a a thing for us to discuss, you know. And I really, you know, it's one of those. We use the word healthy. We use the word strong, you know. Yeah. Um, my daughter's seven, and she's already starting to to deal with, you know, school issues and stuff, and and you know, that. F word coming up that, you know, yeah. and, and I talked to her about, you know, eating healthy and being strong. And luckily the school does too, which is nice, but you know, so it's not a, it's more of a time for us to share and have a common ground and know that, you know, being active is part of our, what we find important. You know, we, yeah. for our family, we want to be healthy and active. They know, they know dad got sick. Well, well, I will. You know, and that's yeah, I mean, I will admit, I don't think I've ever ad- admitted this up to this point, but, um, you know, my oldest daughter is almost 18, and she does do Eat to Perform, because she, um, she, you know, like, April is is like a god to her, you know what I mean? Like, like she's known these people for a very long time, and so to, uh, you know, have the answers to that. And, you know, it is really cool when I go in and look at her file and see that she's all green and that she's eating an adequate amount of food, right? And there's just so many kids that struggle with that piece of things. And then the really cool thing is that she's a vegetarian, right? And so not only do you have this stuff related to being a teenager, but then are you getting enough protein? 
Are you getting enough macronutrients, micronutrients, that kind of thing? And so, you know, her having that, um, I will say that I don't tend to deal with her file. <laughs> you know, I, I just like, <laughs> I like Brad to deal with it and, and all the other coaches and stuff like that. All right. Yeah. So we will end on that note. Uh, you know, I, I think one thing that I definitely want to say, well, first of all, thank you. Right. I think people are going to be really interested in your story, but I'm not doing this to sell Eat to Perform. Right. I, I would be doing this even if, you know, I believe in the power of food. I believe in eating an adequate amount for what you do. And right. I think we're in a unique position to be able to talk about the harmful nature of dieting that really nobody else is able to do. Right. Because no one else right. is emphasizing it to the way that we are. Right. And okay. so from that perspective, um, any final words before we shut it down and allow you to get back to doing all your cool things? I know, right? No, I'm just extremely thankful to you and Dr. Brad and the coaches and stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's been life changing. And I know we have to do the work. We, you know, but you give us the tools to do it. And, you know, I, I've lost 40 pounds. And yes, it's taken me a year, but I'm in such a better place with my own body imaging, my own, you know, looking at, at my life and prioritizing and enjoying life. And, you know, I know now that because of each perform, you know, I know that sleep's important. I know that fueling my body is important, being active, but also, you know, you guys also emphasize the other parts of life, you know, that are important as well. And I just want to thank you guys. Oh, like I, like I said, I mean, like we, we just talking to you, you know, I'm a fan of yours, right? And so that, that to me is, is such a, such a great thing. But I think the other thing too, you know, that, that, you know, needs to be mentioned is muscle, right? There's just, there's such a lack of, of emphasis on muscle, and that when you're eating an adequate amount of food and you're moving, muscle happens. And not only is muscle important as it relates to being lean, but it's also important as it relates to metabolic health. It's important as it relates to all these other things. And so, um, I mean, couldn't have been a better choice. Like I said, Anita was the one that recommended you for this. And I, I appreciate you doing it. And I, I'm, I'm dying to hear everyone's story, right? Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, what's interesting and we'll end on this note, uh, the, your really, your thing with your mother, you know, we had so many commonalities throughout the discussion. Um, my grandmother, the same as your mother, right? Like people look at your mother and go, oh, well, she's 200 pounds. You know, she must be eating nonstop. I don't ever remember a day with my grandmother overeating. I do remember if she would take me to McDonald's, she would have, you know, more fries and she feel guilty about it and stuff like that. Cause she just always was restrictive. Right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Great chatting with you. And uh, we'll end on that note. All right. Thank you. All right, guys, everybody. Thank you for listening so much. Sorry, this went long, but we had just so much cool stuff to talk about. Bye now.